This is a Stand Up New York Labs production, providing you podcasts since 2013. Hey everybody, Raylan Casper White here, and you're listening to X-Ray. everybody. Raylan Casper White here. Um, I want to say hello to my faithful, honorable, and dysfunctional listeners. For those that are getting to know me, I fancy myself kind of a female Charlie Rose without the soundstage and random nudity. You know what I mean? My nudity is never random. Uh, I'm super excited to be here. I had a rough, I had a rough week with my, with my buttload of kids. For those that, that don't know, I am a professional surrogate. I make babies for people. And a lot of times these people are flakes and they freak out and back out. So I end up just keeping other people's babies under my wing. I have between 13 or 22, depending on the week. I love children. I also wish that we could procreate like cows, where like the calf comes out just fully formed and can just function as um, members of society. If you have kids, I'm sure you can relate to this. If you don't have kids, you're clearly a narcissist and you need some help. But I spend so much energy tending to my fucking children's needs that I forget about myself. So once a year, I do what I call a medical month. And I come to New York, because that is kind of the heart heartland of, of physicians, and I do kind of a full tune-up, you know what I mean? I have a full roster of doctors, and I make sure I, you know, I don't want to spontaneously combust. So I came to New York for Medical Month, and I started out with a cardiologist, because I figured the heart is kind of the heart <laughs> of it all, uh, Dr. Khan. Now, I thought Dr. Khan would be Jewish. Turns out he's Indian. I didn't get the memo that there are a lot of Indians named Khan. They just spell it differently. It's K-H-A-N as opposed to K-A-H-N. What the fuck? Did not get that memo. And not only that, did Dr. Khan, he was not only Indian— he sounded Jewish. He had like a Brooklyn accent that even threw me off even more. He's like talking to me like that. I'm like, this is very weird. It's kind of like when you go to Jamaica, if you go to Jamaica and you see these Asians talking Patois, it's, it's kind of disconcerting. I mean, good for them. It's just, it's weird. Uh, anyway, I'm at this cardiologist. Um, I got to tell you, and I'll discuss this with my guests too. Um, I have two middle-aged guests here that are men, so I'm sure they've gone through that, you know, but I had to get a stress test. And you know, technology has evolved in terms of iPhones and nooks and, and virtual reality bullshit, Oculus goggles, but the cardiac assessment technology doesn't seem like it's developed in 50 years. I'm on this fucking treadmill with electrodes and these cords, and I'm trying to run with these cords and this device strapped to me, and I got so sick of it, I threw the device up. I'm like, this is not a Sony Walkman. I'm not in some video in the, anyway, so that kind of put the kibosh on that. I said, I'm fine, Dr. Khan, with your weird spelling, and I moved on to get my um, colonoscopy prep. Uh, it's my first, it was my first colonoscopy. What the fuck is that? That has also not evolved. They make you drink this toxic waste, and then you shit your brains out for literally 12 hours. I think I binge-watched Man in the High Castle all two seasons while on the shitter, which is a great show. We'll talk about that, too. But uh, I, I have to be honest, though. As someone who's usually constipated, I did enjoy that process. I mean, it's, it's not fun-fun, but it felt good to me to kind of purge everything um, because usually I'm on there for two hours, and what do I get? Like a poop nugget. You know what I mean? That's it. That's all I get. And you can actually look at people on the street. You can look at their faces and say, are they consistent poopers, or are they the nugget people? You can actually see on people's faces. So I'm clearly a nugget person. So I wrapped that up. Everything's hunky-dory. They stuck the camera in. It was, you know, clean as a whistle, because I literally shat, you know, sex toys I had in there since the 80s. And I went to get a pap smear with Dr. Gray. I'm glad you're enjoying this, Kurt. This is fantastic. Um, Dr. Gray for a pap smear. I love Dr. Gray. I love his stirrups. He's got a gentle touch, that man. It was really fun for me. And good news, no STDs. Clean. I did a full panel, like a panel. They tested me for shit that didn't even existed yet, the stuff that can transmit aeronautically, whatever that means. So any potential suitors out there, I am clean. So feel free to hit me up and we can aerobicize. 
Anyway, I'm super excited about my guest today. I'm here with two very heavy hitters, uh, the very attractive middle-aged men, Kurt Anderson and Doug Lyman. I know it's hard to be objectified and be told that you're beautiful, but now you know what I feel like every minute of the day. You know what I mean? Being harassed. Not only by, you know, people always get that cliche of construction, guys. It's not only construction. It's sanitation workers with me. It's people on the subway. Um, I'm, a big, I'm a big hit with, um, with the, uh, the food cart guys. You know those guys? Those, those guys love me. I'm exotic for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, how often do they see a blonde mullet? So for them, it's just like mullet porn. Um, well, Kurt, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Um, you are a very festive man, very accomplished. And I was going to kind of read through your bio, but I'm like, fuck that. Why don't you tell me why you're such hot shit? And don't try and be humble. I don't want any of that fake, you know, that hum- humility, that fake humility. Just kind of be, you know, be gush a little bit about yourself. So people know who the fuck you are. Well, I, I'm not going to gush, but... Uh... I have uh, used to. I started a magazine called Spy Magazine yes. many, many years ago, and so older people uh, like uh, appreciate that. Is that the baby boomer? That's the baby boomer and some Gen Xers. We were actually a big hit with the Gen Xers. What the fuck? So like, isn't that your generation? I I transcend generation. Yeah, I'm yeah. a millennial. Yeah, because uh, they were kids redux. when we started, and they you okay. know. So seventeen-year-olds okay, uh, are impressionable. Okay. Uh, then and and I was uh, before and after was a uh, uh, magazine writer, and then after that, what else did I do? I uh, I started writing novels. I edited. I was the editor of New York Magazine. Um, New York Magazine has more pictures than the New Yorker, right? Correct. They're like a little more fit, like more like Us Weekly slash. It tells the you Atlantic, where, right. what food to buy and how to be and exercise how to buy it. And right? Stuff. Okay. Uh, then uh, oh, I did a lot of things. I'm leaving things out, but basically, I'm okay. a writer. I've, I used to be a magazine editor. Uh, I started Spy Magazine, and uh, I have a radio show, and I still write novels, and I just wrote a big nonfiction book as well. So you did fantasy. I have it right here. Yeah. Uh, I started reading it. Um, the font's too fucking small. Really? Okay, yeah, I'm not because I'm a luddite. I don't I don't invest in like the Nook or whatever the Kindles and like you know that I can't enlarge. I'm uh-huh. si- I'm si- doing uh-huh. the signal. If you can't see the podcast, but I'm moving my fingers in like that expand thing. So they do have to have a version for people that have some visual. There's audio. Impairment. There's audio. And I and are I you read reading it. the audio? I am. I am. Well, that sounds like a snooze. I'm kidding. No, it sounds actually really really good. No, I love your voice. I'm it's more very... attractive just as an audio. Uh, effect, you are really, the, yeah. the radio yeah. faces. They say no. Yeah. I don't believe that. But yeah. you have a very mellifluous voice, and I. And you're a professional interviewer, so when I'm talking to you, you're thinking, Jesus fucking Christ, she's terrible. Why am I not asking uh-uh. myself the questions? Uh-uh. No, it's it's great. It's like... Uh, you can just relax. Exactly. Okay. Let, let you lead. I, well, Be I the girl. Like, I, whoa. Well, easy there. Uh, and Doug Lyman, another hey. extreme... Your jawline is just to die for. I mean, is that genetic? Did your parents have that jawline? Uh, maybe my grandmother. Oh, okay. That's a masculine um, jaw. Was she a handsome woman? She had beautiful eyes. There we go. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love when I go on a date and they go, you have beautiful ears. That's yeah. always, that's a good sign. Um, and you're a director and you've directed a lot of shit and a lot of big budget shit. We're not talking like weird indie movies in the Appalachian Mountains, right? I mean, you did one like like thing called Swingers, right? That was like your claim to fame maybe? Yeah, that was indie. And then I've done some other independent films. I just did a film two years ago, The Wall, that was independent. The Wall. Okay. And is it, what, is it just a high concept, just a wall? What, what is that about? Um, it's about uh, two soldiers pinned down at the sort of last waning days of, of the war in, in Iraq. In Iraq, and you shot and in Burbank or what? You shot in Joshua Tree? Yeah, um, in uh, in the desert northeast of L.A. Oh, did you really? Oh, so you did shoot in California. Here I am fucking kidding me. No, like, no, no we shot you know, in Morocco. But no, you actually shot right outside of like Encino. Well, um, you know, I usually go on location and, right. and I would have shot in Jordan. Um, okay, but what happened? Uh, it was Jew, cheap. they're like, no. No, it was... I know Jordan actually likes the they Jew. Likes the Jew. Well, they like to do well as they, much as they can, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. They re- I've I've filmed in Jordan. Okay, they, okay. They do like the, the Jews. There. Okay, oh good. Uh, okay. 
Um, but uh, it was cheaper. It really was a, it was a legitimate independent film, and therefore uh, money is, is, you know, the budget's a big deal, and, and figuring out how you have a little pot of money and how to make right. it go as far as possible, make the best possible movie. So my ego about wanting to shoot on location and be on this They're radio like, well, show and be up. like, right, I, right. you know, I, I shot in Iraq. Yeah, in uh, Mosul. In this case, because in Fair Game, uh, which had a little bit of a bigger budget. That's with Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts. She's hot. Sorry. Um, the, uh, we actually did shoot in Iraq, uh, but for The Wall, it was much smaller budget. I actually shot in the desert outside. Uh, Is Sean LA. Penn a very, I mean, I, I appreciate his, um, I appreciate his, his commitment to his causes, and I also appreciate his facial features, but is he kind of a dick? You know, I, I don't know if I would It's not a trick use, question. Yeah, no. Okay. He's, he's a, uh, he's a, he's not the easiest uh, okay. human being. That's, you know. di- that's but, good but, diplomacy. But, okay. You know, to be fair, you know, if you look up asshole director on, on Google. Do you come up? I'm the first name do, that comes really? up. Really? Google that, people. Not David O. Russell? No, I mean, there, there's actually. Oh, right. I forgot. There are directors him. who are pedophiles. And right. somehow I'm ahead well, of all of them. Well, that guy, Tayback, Toback, right? He was the, no, he's not a pedophile. He's just one of the. He's a girlophile. He just a had a lot of, lot of women. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But somehow uh, the Google Analytics, whatever the process right. by which, you know. Cambridge Analytic, Lyman Analytica. Yeah, whatever, they, whatever the process is. Uh, right. I, I have been. Uh, it's particularly disturbing when you when you click over to the images thing on Google, like asshole oh. director, and then click to the image. Is one. it a rectal photo? No, no but then you oh. just see a, a smiling photo. I mean, I look, I really do look like then, like an like asshole. Like your dick, right? Well, I'm sure you have moments. I mean, I'm sure you know. I've never actually been mean to anybody in my life, but I'm sure you have moments where you're like a dick. I mean, I'm sure it's, it happens, right? Or no? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've heard stories afterwards. I mean, I usually okay. just you know you're not aware. trying to protect the movie and and it's all about, about the, the movie. movie. Forget the then, humans involved. It's all about the movie. Okay, fair well, enough. Well, there's a lot of people working on the movie, and, right, and right. you know, if one person is sort of dragging it down, you know, that's not fair to everybody else You're who's right. putting everything into the movie. I'm sorry. I may burp occasionally. I had a lot of watermelon before the recording, and for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's the water content. Um, So, Kurt, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, first of all, I I've, I was reading the book. I do, I do think it's fascinating, and it's kind of an amazing overview of... A fresh perspective on why we're so fucked up. You mean Fantasyland, How yes. America Went Haywire, A 500-Year History? That? That one, about? Random House, oh. available now in paperback. Um, Can I take a look at that? Well, please. You're not going to read that while you're asking questions. Well, I, you know, I might peruse. She um, touches it. You know, the, just in I case just, I get bored over Can I just there. take a little um, word break here? I thought peruse meant that you're like flipping through. No. Peruse means to look at thoroughly. So I think people misuse that word. Am I right? When I'm like, I'm just going to peruse this. No, 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 no. That just, you know, if you're perusing, you're reading it cover to cover. You're educating the, um, your listeners. I am. Yes. I am trying. I am trying. Did you? I did not know that. Now, you were from the Midwest originally? I grew up in Nebraska. Is that considered the Midwest? That, uh, absolutely. That's the heart, the heartland of the Midwest. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. Um, I like people from the Midwest. Let me tell you why. I, I find you people very relaxed and friendly without being fake. I know people from the South, they're always, we're always being told that we're like fake friendly or syrupy or whatever, which I don't think it's true. I generally love people and humanity and sexual intercourse and things like that. But I find that people in the Midwest, they're not, you know, people say people in New York are real. They're just mean. I don't think being mean means you're real. I just think that you're just being mean. And how, why is that in the Midwest is that nice kind of juxtaposition or, or, or confluence, if I may, um, of kind of being nice and relaxed at the same time. 
Uh, it's a good question. And I like people from the Midwest as well. It's not so much, I don't know about relaxed or nice. And there's a lot, there's plenty of fake niceness there. Is there? Okay. Absolutely. I'm sorry to hear that. But, but I think what there is, is a kind of, uh, you, you grew up with a kind of enforced unpretentiousness. And that's why you leave. Because people are unattractive? No, just because uh, you're not supposed to, the, certain kinds of ambition are, are discouraged and like, you're you're getting on your high horse or you're, oh, whoa, you're too big for your britches or okay. pick your phrase. Right. And uh, so there's that. And so the, 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 that, the, the good side of that is that people are uh, real, real well, and, I, I, and nice. I don't mean to interrupt because you told me not to interrupt, but I was yeah. reading well, the I'm book. I'm glad you're I, listening. Where... Where did you grow up that you're talking about? Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, okay. Omaha. Keep, keep did you okay. not hear it three seconds ago? I was ago? reading. He was reading. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was perusing. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. Well, the, use the, the back fonts better yeah. than the, the, the internal fonts. But I like Midwesterners, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm very happy I grew up in Nebraska, and I'm very happy I've lived in New York for a long time. And now you're like, yeah, if I said you moved back to Omaha, you're like, fuck no. Well, uh, I don't know about fuck no, but uh, Omaha has become a... Uh, a much a very cool city actually Is since it I've really? left. Yeah, it's got a movie scene. It's got a it's okay, got a okay. art scene. It's got a alt music scene. It's good. Now and Nebraskans are. And they... I was just looking at it this morning. By the way, there's a there's an awesome new precinct by precinct map interactive in the New York Times today of how many votes Clinton and, and right right Trump that's what I was going to ask you in every precinct. So I went back and looked at Omaha okay. for an hour this morning. And what and what was the uh, the verdict there? Surprisingly. Uh, it looks like, and certainly my neighborhood, Hillary Clinton carried it, and I was shocked. And and it looks like the whole city is blue. So well, there you go. Didn't make a fucking difference, did it? Well, didn't, I mean, look, I'm not here to bash. Day, I'm but... not here to bash Donnie. Uh, I have my own conflicted feelings yeah, about yeah, Donnie, and yeah. I'm not gonna kind of, you know, we're not gonna get there. There's enough people that kind of argue aimlessly um, about that. Uh, but my question to you is, but uh, you're you're white and non-college educated, so you know what I'm thinking. Well, I I think that I I ha- I'll tell you my issue. I think that um, I just feel like Don. I look at people from a hum- like a humanitarian perspective, from they're trying to understand their psyche, and I feel like Donnie just needs to be loved. He seems like someone who was not loved enough. And needs to be loved. And all his actions are like this. You know, I have 13, 22 children. So I see this behavior a lot. You know what I mean? I'm not a great mom all the time. You know what I mean? If I'm cleaning your diaper and, and using, like, mayo because I ran out of, like, luby stuff, that's okay. I do what I can under the circumstances. But I can tell certain kids that I ignore systematically, either because they're annoying or they're not as attractive as the other ones, they need more love and they act out. And this poor guy, I mean, look at him. You know what I mean? He's trying hard. He's, he's bought the wives. He bought the daughters. You know, I get that. He's trying hard, and he just wants to be loved, and people, and it's not working. It's backfiring, and, and I think he's so locked in his little pattern that he's not listening. Anybody saying, "Dude, this is not the right way to be loved," you know? You know what I mean? I do, and that's that's a, a beautiful acceptance that I can't muster. But okay, good on okay. you. Okay, well, I'm hoping. I mean, I'm hoping that he gets the love he needs, and ho- you know, and can bring he, everybody well, he, together. He, he's getting it from from. You know, from 20, various parties, thirty-two percent of Americans. Yes. Right. Well, okay, okay. Well, that's thirty-two percent. Maybe there are more in my message. Are, you know, are you either of you religious at all? No. no, no. Now, are you? Uh, for my listeners, are you atheists? Are you agnostic? Uh, I'm an atheist. You're an atheist. I, I, am not. I, not. Don't have enough conviction to go full atheist. Atheist I, means like you know, there's no God yeah. versus you know, agnostic. More, like we don't know. I feel like agnostic's a little bit of a of a hedge, of a wussy move to be yeah. like. I don't want to say there's no God, and then if it turns out there was a God, you get punished later on. I don't think so it's I'm that, like, but I think you're just acknowledging that we really, as humans, our knowledge, ability to know stuff is limited. So you're like, I don't know if there's definitely not a God, right? I mean, 
Right? Is that kind of where? That's right? kind of where I am, and and to the degree that so many Americans are absolutely convinced not only that there's a God, but all kinds of crazy religious beliefs, in order to uh, uh, exempt myself from that unearned faith-based craziness-based conviction, I, 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 I that's one of the reasons I'm inclined to pull back from. No, there is no God. Right, right. Well, I didn't say it with that kind of force. I no, exactly. But you have to do it with that exactly. voice. And, and, right. and frankly, I'm just I, willing to face God in case I was wrong and be like, yeah, yeah. I said you didn't exist. That's not my fear because I don't think I'm going to face God. But, um, well, but, I do. Really? Well, I think that I think that I, I, for me, God is more of an amorphous. It's all about big words today. I have like an index card thing at home oh. and I'm, I'm pumping them in there. I don't think we know everything. I don't think that God should be used to, to uh, separate people. I think, as, as they say, there are many ways to climb a mountain. I think people should, as long as it makes people good people to each other, I'm all for it. It doesn't give me any relief to believe in God. It's not a crutch for me. I think people, a lot of people think that God can be a crutch or like it make, gives it meaning in life. No, I don't know if it does that. I just think there's something out there that we don't fucking know. Well, I'm going to let you in on a, a little secret. I, I'm okay. Jewish. Right. I know okay. I got that when you walked in. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't, and, I don't uh, subscribe to that. Yes. Uh, you know, in Judaism, you you don't really need to believe in an act of God. Like right. You, like, I, I am, I do go to synagogue. I believe in the religion. Well, it's more about the tradition and the food. And, and it, it is about the food, but it's also about, you know, sort of being a good person and good to your neighbors. Right, and right. There's not, in Judaism, there's not really a lot of, like, hoping God takes care of something. Right. It's like, it's all about, you do this, maybe you do it in honor of God. Right. But... You, you, the human being, are supposed Responsible, to do it. Responsible, yes. So I like uh, Jews. So Judaism is, you know, being an atheist or not an atheist is kind of irrelevant. I mean, even in, the, I go to a pretty conservative synagogue in New York, and the, do you get to sit with the ladies? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, because I know and, a lot of times you can't even sit with the ladies, so you're not distracted or something, which I understand. I mean, but, that's but a, don't Jewish people who, don't most Jewish people who go to synagogue and are more than reform, don't they? If you ask them, wouldn't they say, "Yeah, I believe in God." I don't know. I mean, I go to a conservative synagogue. Right. And, you know, it surprised me, like, last year, the rabbi was said, made an announcement like, uh, this next prayer, you know, statistically, I know that more than half of you are atheists. Oh, interesting. Um, he said, uh, so this next prayer is one of the few prayers that will give you trouble. Huh. Because it's, it's one of the only prayers we'll ever utter oh. that actually requires you to believe in, a, in an act of God versus an allegory. Right. Wow. Well, see, right. I could be a Jew then. That's fine. All Great. that's good. I want to be a Jew too. Yeah. I've slept with many Jews. Festive bunch. Very giving lovers. Interesting. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think that uh, uh, as long as people find comfort and aren't dicks, that's kind of what I go for. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, break it down. There's so many religions we don't even know about, right? I mean, well, and the of... problem in this country, of course, is that so many of the most uh, extravagantly and ostentatiously religious people lately are also the biggest dicks. Right, and and corrupt, and right, right. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, I think when you're preying upon the weak, right, when it comes to that, or you're trying to offer God as an escape or some... Or a reason know. for your bigotry or whatever. Right, exactly, which is which is bullshit. Let's, uh, let's, let's go into Fantasyland for a minute. Are you so fucking tired of talking about this book? Because I know when a book comes out, you got the book tours, and then you no. wrote a book with Alec Baldwin. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we can talk about him. I don't want to forget no, about that I, book. I, I do want to talk about him. I though. haven't talked about it that much lately, so happy. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm restored. I'm, oh, I'm you're good restored. to go. Okay, okay, great. I was binging The Man in the High Castle. Did you watch that show? I have. Okay, I'd want to get into that for a minute. I, when I got the book, I thought it was going to be like one of those Philip K. Dick 
sci-fi, like uh-huh. fantasy land. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like an alternate uh-huh. reality yeah, yeah, with yeah, unicorns. Yeah. And well, and I, my, my last three books have been novels. So okay, so then and then yeah. I come in and we're like, oh shit, this is why we're so fucked up. Because I think the problem is, you know. I am a microcosm of the United States. I have, like I said, between 13 and 22 children of many ethnic uh, ethnicities and religions, right? I had surrogates. I have, you know, black children, Filipino. I have hybrids. I got the whole, I run the gamut. And they all live with me, and I'm like their leader, right? I'm like the supreme leader like they have in Iran. Like I'm their, you know, mini supreme it's tra- like a cult, trailer yeah. park leader. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing creepy like Nexium or whatever the, yeah. that sex cult was. You guys, you hear about that Nexium thing? No. Oh, boy, you're a sheltered boy. So it's very hard to bring people together. And, and unify a country that's that was founded on values, right? It's not founded on some homogeneic population like they do in Sweden, right, when the Norse or whatever. Uh, and they're depressed in Sweden and Denmark. They're fucked up too. Am I right? And now, I mean, well, they're... They got one of, the, one of those stereotypes, like, you know, mean yeah. New Yorkers and dumb and, and, Southerners. Right, and, right, which we are not. And also depressed. I think the depressed Swedes is an accurate stereotype. Maybe. I'm going to use, I'm going to stick I with think that they one. Just, they just face up to the, the, the existential facts of life. Of life, right, that we're all going to die and there's no meaning to life, which, yeah, which I understand. So I think it's hard to 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 unify the, the United States of America. So we try and latch on to things and we try and we deal with escapism or... We, the, this this idea of hope as a val, as a founding value or success or monetary success and and you believe that that's got a big part of our kind of where we're at now our downfall so to speak well I think head. what I think what kind of metastasized to create our these bad times we've gotten into that by my reckoning preceded Donald Trump Donald Trump took yeah, everybody advantage. blames Donnie Trump took advantage of what has been happening for the last few decades. But it's this, it's this, this America, the Central American idea that whatever I want to believe, whatever I feel is true, is true. You know, everybody. Yeah, you can. It's your opinion. You don't, well, go ahead, go crazy. Uh, believe in twenty gods or no gods, as Thomas Jefferson said. I don't care if you don't break my leg or pick my pocket. All that's good. But, but that, especially in the last fifty years, that believing anything and everything, and and. If there are experts regarding them as evil mainstream media professor elite right, uh, right. villains, that's gotten out of control. This anti-establishment, believe what you want, feel it in your heart, and it's true, that has gotten out of control. And that's why we are where we are, where objective reality is just one version Right, alternate facts, so yeah, to speak. Exactly. Which is a really cool term when you think about it. I mean, right? Yeah. Alter- I mean, alternative yeah, and, facts, and, and like, think, that's kind of cool. And I think Kellyanne Conway, who, right. who you probably know. I mean, she seems like Kellyanne Conway I've is her name. I've seen her at the grocery she's, store sometimes. Yeah. But she know? came up with that like on the spur of the moment. She's very smart. Yeah, yeah. She's like snaky smart and I think very attractive. And sneaky. Handsome woman. Kind of reminds me of like if there was a version of Sex in the City in Orlando, she would be in it. Do you know what I mean? She'd yeah. be one of the stars. Good idea. And Ivanka could be one of oh, the stars as well in that Orlando section. Yeah, just complaining about the humidity. Yeah. Disney World. I got to tell you, I took my um, half of my children to Disney World because I couldn't afford. I mean, that place is fucking expensive. Those guys are such perp under the you know, the Mickey Mouse costumes. You can like you can smell the methamphetamines on them, and you can you know it's just. Well, what are you going to do? You're in Orlando in a Mickey Mouse outfit for twenty hours a day with these snotty kids up your you know hoo ha. So. Um, you wrote another book with, with Alec Baldwin. I did. 
last year. He's a feisty fellow. He got in trouble a bit this year with all the me three and me fours, right? What uh, what was because he's popping babies out left and right. You know, all he's doing is copulating and playing the president. I mean, is it, does he have time for anything else? Yeah. Uh, he he ha- does have a lot of children. Uh, yeah. about nine months apart. Yeah, he really, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, unbelievable. But he's a very productive in all senses. He's been, right. you know, he does a lot of movies. No, he he he. People uh, uh, because he happened to be in a Woody Allen movie and didn't. Uh, disavow Woody Allen, for instance. Right. Uh, he got all kinds of crap for that, but you know. Okay. It's uh, hard. I know it's hard when I ask you about people that you guys have worked with because you're like, well, we work with them, and then we want to work with them again. No, I'll tell you anything you want about Sean Penn. Alec is right. great. Okay. I love Alec Baldwin. Okay, great. You can talk shit about Alec Baldwin, and you can talk shit about Sean Penn. Great. I happen to like Alec Baldwin too. Oh, good. Okay, I like him too. But you know, again, it's 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 hard. Uh, did, did you guys see the the Nanette? Yeah. Okay. What did you see, Nanette? Okay, it's very hard with you, Doug. I'm trying to just kind of broach different topics here. Let's just talk about your work then for a minute, because anybody else's work is apparently of no interest. So what are you working on now? What are you shooting? Is it a big budget finally back to the studio system? Uh, I am doing a studio film with uh, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley called Chaos And who are Walking. these people? And these are the, the Star Wars people, right? Or just well, one of them? Well, she's in Star Wars. He's the new Spider-Man. Okay. Um, you know, there's a whole... Uh, they're both giant stars and... and uh, hugely talented, and you know, I also you sound like I a press with, kit. No, well, you know, because like, did you get to pick, or did the studio say you have to put these people in the movie? No, they're the reason I made the movie. Oh, uh, okay. It was okay. it was a classic, you know, uh, Ali Shermer, who unfortunately has has now passed away, who was my executive. I don't want to bring your whole audience down, but she was my no, executive on on Born Identity. Okay. Uh, Doug directed the really, Born Identity. I really wanted her to. I, I loved the Born Identity. I didn't. It, I was producing the film, and the studio said, "You know, you have to bring in a producer. You can't direct and produce. It's too big a movie." And right. I wanted her to quit her job and and oh wow, and, you really love this the movie right. and because she really put the movie together with me, and uh, she didn't want to leave her job as a, as a producer. And then finally, she took the plunge and and became a producer and. Uh, Produced uh, one of the Star Wars movies. Wow! And that's where she met Daisy. Okay. And then she put this movie together, Chaos Walking, and we finally were going to get to work together. You know, with her as a producer. Right. Right. And then she. And then she got sick. Uh, but we carried on, and uh, and we're finishing the movie now. And okay. uh, Okay. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's good. It's a good movie. It's really smart. You wrote the script. No, I, I never write my scripts. Well, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, it is. Okay, you're you're a shitty writer, or just or just a. I have a lot of good ideas. But, okay, but, but then you can't follow through on them. But you also I shoot some of good, your movies, right? Too many good right? ideas and too many bad ideas all mixed together. And there's no filter. Yeah. Well, you shoot the movies too, though. You're also uh, the, and the then cinematographer. Also, uh, you know, more, maybe more relevant to your audiences. I have a TV show called Impulse that's on YouTube. Just started a new channel. Okay. Um, so now YouTube has a fucking platform now yeah. too. Okay. Like a paid channel. Like you yeah, got to pay channel. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuckers. Subscription. Okay. And. We're one of like basically three shows that are oh, on exclusive. It are, okay. Uh, no, I mean it's they're gonna they're trying to build it out right, and compete right. with Netflix. Right, right. Well, get me a and, show. I want a fucking show. And uh, okay. so, uh, well, they're out they're out buying stuff. And, okay. All um, right. We'll talk after. So, Impulse is a uh, basically I made a film called Jumper, and it's the least favorite of my films. It it's a, like, not a great film, Doug. Oh, sorry. Did that come out no, no, loud? It's, it's, I'm it's just my, saying. It's, it's my lowest. I, I wasn't happy It's a happy low point. Okay. I mean, I just okay. was at Comic-Con promoting Impulse, and it turns out there, that they everybody love loves Jumper. So they were a little bit put off when I said I wasn't happy with Jumper, so I wanted to totally redo it and, and do another well, those people take superhero that shit very show seriously. called Impulse. And then, okay. you know, it's not a great way. Maybe that's not the best way to promote Impulse to 
tell people it's nothing like Jumper because right. there's a lot of people who and like, they're like Jumper. We only but, want this because it's like Jumper. But it okay. is like Jumper in that it does involve somebody with the superpower of teleportation. But okay. it's not like Jumper in that it's uh, good. I'm yes. Okay. No, no, really. It's okay. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Jumper's like, I don't know, 20% or something. Huh. Well, I got to tell you, Rotten Tomatoes is not a uh, accurate, because sometimes I'll read a review, and it'll Well, when sit- it says 100%, that's pretty accurate. Okay. okay, all right, all right. I'm not offending your impulse or your jumpers, but I'm just saying, sometimes I'll read a review on Rotten Tomatoes, like a New York Times review, and it'll be really shitty, but there'll be one line in there that's kind of positive, and then it'll get like a tomato. Absolutely And I'm like, right. but this yeah, is a rotten tomato. Right. So I think the people, the interns or whoever they're hiring or outsourcing in, in Mumbai, I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. They're probably in, in Malaysia, but they're just, they're the ones aggregating these reviews. They're not always accurate. I think the ones, though, under 50 or so are, tend to be pretty accurate. Right, right. Yeah, if it's it's a shit movie, then then yeah. it's going to be under yeah. under 50. Okay, so... um. You did a couple of movies with Tom Cruise, yeah, right, and um, and I've met him once. Lovely guy. He's my fucking height. Can you imagine? I mean, it was unbelievable. I felt I felt chemistry there, but I I know that the the Scientology community wouldn't probably not accept me, even though I did take some workshops and I've done the e meter and I've done some auditing. But I know that you have to kind of be a full on full. And you're kind of a celebrity, so they like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, they wouldn't let me into the celebrity center. They have a big center in in Hollywood on Franklin Avenue. Have you been to the celebrity center, Doug? I have. I spent the night there. You did? Yeah. Are they nice rooms? Are there cameras in there? What happens in there? Yeah, I, I sort of was like lurking around. I was shooting a, a TV show. Okay. Uh, and we were shooting in their uh, parking lot, and then we they gave a room to one of the actors to you know sort of a holding right, room. Right, right. And then when we wrapped at like midnight. He and was going like, home, and I was like, I'm gonna take those keys. I'm gonna spend the night here. And was Tom s- in this movie? No. Oh, just oh before okay. I ever met Tom, I oh, was okay. like, I'm gonna sneak around to see if I can find you know all the scary shit. Wow. Now, do you end up becoming when you're working with the because you're working you work with the biggest names in the business, right? Like Tom Cruise and all these Sean Penns. Do you ever become buddies with them? Do they come over for dinner? Do you guys sit in the hot tub together? Like, Or do you work and then you're done? Like you keep it very professional. No, Tom's a real friend. Okay, okay. And you've kind of, because it seems like he has a very strong persona that he presents you know, to the Tom, world. Tom, Matt, even Tom Holland, who I, okay. I just worked with, okay. who's you know, only like 21, but you know. Well, you have, okay. You know, we well, go, you're like we, 21 in terms of maturity, right? We go right? and stuff yeah, together. that's exactly right. That's what I figured. But in terms of, let's say, people like Tom Cruise, I feel like when I meet celebrities, and I do meet them occasionally in my line of work, there's kind of a mask, and they're worried that you have an agenda. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people that are so famous, they're like, why are you talking to me? You want something from me. So do you feel like once you and Tom Cruise hang out, do you feel like you see beneath the mask, is he a different person than who he presents himself in other situa- situations? Um, or no? I don't know, because I don't know how he presents himself to you. I, I, I do know... You know, interesting little tidbit about being Tom Cruise and and any of these these stars, for instance, is that, um, you know, people are always asking to have their pictures taken with them. Which is exhausting. Exhausting. But here's the other thing. Women are grabbing their asses. Really? Yeah. You don't you don't realize it. They like they, they stand next to him to pose while their boyfriend or husband's taking the photo. And then they just grab his ass. Because if I'm with Tom or Matt or, you know... Is this Matt Damon you're talking about? Matt Damon. I'm like, you know, I'm sort of behind them usually. And I can just see... Right. The woman has just... Just you know, not even lightly. I mean, she is like really grabbing. Right, right. And I'm like, I'm like... First time I saw that happen, I saw it happen to Tom. Like right. he was posing with two women, and they both each had one. Each had a cheek. Each had a cheek. Each had a cheek. Right. And right. Well, Tom equal like, opportunity cheeks. Tom right. was like, "That happens all, all the time." The time. Huh. And he said, "Not only that, sometimes people reach around, right, while to their get husband's a nice taking the picture, while their husband's grab. taking the picture." Right. Right. Well, look, I'm sure that that's one of the people on the list. Would you have that list that you can sleep with one celebrity? 
Well, isn't that thing that oh, married he's couples probably on, do? He's probably on a lot of those lists. Right, right. So. I'm sure he is. Okay. I well, had that when I was making Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, well, I have a very close group of guy friends. And, right. And all of their wives gave them, you know, Angelina, Angelina? Jolie was, was, on, was the on the list. Go visit Doug huh. and, you know. And try and hook up with Angie. You got you got a, a free pass. She, okay. she, I met her before she was famous, when she was just becoming, when she was an okay. actor, but she right. wasn't famous. And 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 the editor Tina Brown yes. said, "Oh, here, introduce me at a party in Hollywood," right. and and she like wanted to talk to me a lot more than I wanted to talk to her. I felt some. You got some energy there, Kurt. A, a little bit. Look at it, that. It was. It was. Uh, and, well, she's uh, a very sexual being. Well, I mean, she and, exudes yeah. that. I think she's yeah. phenomenal. I think she yeah. gets a lot of crap for no reason. I think she's a pretty amazing person. I agree. And I, and actually directs good movie, movies. I didn't see I any of her movies, but I relate to her because in, of her children. The one set in the former Yugoslavia, I like very much. Oh, interesting. So yeah. no, I did see the one with her and and Brad as their marriage was falling apart, and there's a hole in the wall, and they're spying on the French actress Melanie Laurent. I just enjoy watching them just cavort. You know what I mean? For it's sure. it's like it's like appropriate pornography. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um but did they hook up on the set there? Um yeah, of course they did. They did. Okay. I just had to know. I had to know. I mean, come on, right? I mean there's yeah. there's trailers are not that much soundproof. As someone who has one, <laughs> I know. Wow. Okay, great. So you're doing that, you're doing impulse, you're doing this chaos walking. When you do these these big, I'm just going to get technical a minute for 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 my own purposes. When you're doing these big action sequences, okay, uh, do you have to storyboard every single mode? These are very complex sequences. They scare me. Like, how do you how do you map that out? How does that work? You sit with your cinematographer and you guys like you know, or do you have a special consultant that does that stuff? Um, well, first of all, you know, we're trying to you know, for me, I'm trying to do action you've never seen before. So I'm trying to even before we get to the action, just in sort of the conception of the film, figure out, you know, and say, uh, Live, Die, Repeat. Uh, oh, I love that movie. They put, uh, figuring out, you know, we're going to use these suits of armor and we're going to give the aliens this particular power so that the we can start choreographing fight scenes that'll be really original versus, you know, you give Tom Cruise just a machine gun. Right. There's only so much you can do with the machine gun and you... and Lots of other, you know, I may not come up with a new idea. Like on Born Identity, we're doing car chases. You know, it's like, okay, well, everyone's done a car chase. How do you make it different? And, right. you know, no one had done sort of someone in a really shitty car. And like a Dodge Dart. Basically, the, the European equivalent. So I was like... Which is what, a Peugeot? I can't even remember the names of these cars. Because okay. They, you know, it's been more than one car in more than okay. one movie. Okay. But they, okay. But, you know, just... And then suddenly you start to choreograph an action sequence... With, you know, because you've, you've given the characters like different tools than maybe audiences have seen in another movie. And so that the sort of designing the action starts when I'm sort of conceiving the film. Okay. And how many, like, when you have these big car chases or big explosions, how many takes do you get to do? Because it sounds like it's a, it takes a lot of time to kind of reset, doesn't it? Like you blow up a oh, building. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's like one you'll take spend or nothing. all, you know, it's all day to set up for it. And it's like... You got one shot. You got one shot. I mean, maybe, you know, if it doesn't happen... You know, maybe you have to do it the next day, and then now you're over budget a day, or Which you know, is terrible. or you have to fix it with visual effects. It's 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 super nerve wracking, but it's also exciting. It's like a casino, you know, right? When it does work, right? It's so satisfying. What do you guys? What do you guys think? I want to open this up to both of you. I mean, I grew up um, around hunting and and guns. Um, I've traveled to the Middle East, where uh, I've traveled to Israel. 
uh, where guns are um, just kind of uh, a part of, of they're, they're not glorified. Some would say they're maybe overused, but I don't see that. It's a whole other conversation. I don't see, I don't believe that. But um, in terms of glorification of violence and that double standard of violence versus sex in, in film and entertainment and how that affects youth and how they see guns, I just want to kind of hear, you know, take your temperature on, on that. Because now my children, you know, have their pretend guns. And I try and discourage them from playing with guns, but it's kind of hard when you got four boys running around. They want to do the pow-pow, and I kill you, and you're dead. I'm like, well, maybe this is a natural psychological journey, and then it'll get out of their system. Am I right? I don't but know. But the thing is, of course, I mean, uh, the Danes and the Japanese and the and the everybody right. else in the developed world right. watches movies with gunplay as much as Americans do. They don't start shooting each other. Right. It doesn't seem to train them to want to shoot each other with guns. So that said, I mean, yeah, of course, uh, you know, it's it's kind of gross to some degree when it, when it's the, the degree to which violent action movies and games can inure people to violence. On the other hand, it's not the biggest problem we got concerning violence. And uh, as I've said before, it's kind of like uh you know crying movie and uh, in, a, in, right. a, in a crowded fire i mean like oh eh, interesting it's not really it's not really the problem I, even even if it's you know you you wish the makers of culture would <laughs> do right. it less sometimes right 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 yeah i wonder what, what do you think doug because i mean obviously you're engaged you're, you're making these movies and they're exciting and i wonder yeah. what that's what's part of our psyche kind of responds has that such a pleasure center that gets activated from this stuff you know, I feel uh, I feel a responsibility as a filmmaker, and and for instance, when I made Swingers, everybody's smoking. Right. Well, that's we very European. It, we never. Yeah, but it, Swingers was set in L.A. I know. I'm just saying. And we thought, you know, I ne- first of all, I never really thought anyone was going to see the movie. I didn't really think about the audience. Right. Well, I that's. Mean, it was. Yeah. And then it came out, and the Time Magazine did a, a big story on smoking on in films, and the reporter called me up and said, huh. you know, did you know that uh, when when teenagers see people they look up to on screen smoking, they're way more likely to start smoking. And they had statistics to back it up. And they were like, you know, so what, what, how do you defend yourself? And I'm like, I don't. I feel horrible. Did you really uh, feel horrible? I really though? did feel horrible. Okay. Uh, and I was like, pledged that I was never going to show smoking again in a film. Uh, and... Uh, and I didn't. If you look at Born Identity, which is set in France, nobody's smoking in France. And there's literally not one cigarette in. A lot the of surveillance, though. A lot of, sur- a lot of surveillance, but no, and no shooting. smoking. So no shooting, but no smoking, thought, but a lot of shooting. And there were, but there's shooting. But even then, uh, uh, Matt Damon, you know, shoots somebody at the end of the film, and Matt's uh, mother was head of like the Center for the Nonviolent Reconciliation oh, of Conflict in, in <laughs> Massachusetts and in Boston, and. So we were both sort of a little bit troubled because I lived through the experience of the smoking and I'm like, now I'm making an action movie. Am I right. going to suddenly get attacked for promoting violence on screen? And so um, in the end of Born Identity, the first film, Matt, uh, when he shoots the gun at the end of the film, he holds it upside down. And we sort of decided, we tried to make it seem like it's a cool thing for people to do. You mean he shot it the wrong way? What do you he's, mean? So it's not pointed at him. It's pointed at the person he's trying to shoot. Well, that makes sense. But it's upside down. Oh, Instead okay. of, you know, normally the barrel will be on top oh, of your okay. wrist. It's underneath okay. your wrist. Right, okay. And we're like... So he fires it with his pinky. Basically. And <laughs> That's bad. He can do anything. Like, but we made it look really cool. Yeah. Okay. And we're like, maybe if it's true that people see violence on screen and then they emulate it, they'll gangs and whatnot will start saying, oh, the cool thing is to hold the gun upside down. 
And the reality is if you shoot a gun when it's upside down, a pistol when it's upside down, right. it breaks your wrist. So you're because just trying you don't to realize like... at the top of the gun, it, it all looks like a solid thing because faster than your eye can see, right. the top of the gun actually moves back about two inches and then snaps back into position. But you can't see it. But if you're holding the gun upside down, that two inches that it moves back violently and, and forward again would shatter your wrist. However, as I discovered and, and talk about a little bit in Fantasyland, you know how in, in movies and TV shows starting like in the 70s and 80s, we started seeing cool guys and gangsters do put the gun uh, sideways. Like, sideways and kind of perpendicular to the ground yeah. to fire. Well, that didn't exist. The, the people, movie directors and TV directors invented that. And it went into videos, and then indeed that did, became did a, that became a way that you know uh, violent people with guns on the street started shooting guns to be cool. So you were so, hoping that people would break their wrists and not want to shoot people yeah. anymore? Well, well, no, we were thinking you'd miss. There'd be no way you'd hit somebody, or you'd hit a pedestrian, and then you'd be incapacitated yeah. because you broke your wrist. Yeah. And, and it, we would right. say, and, lies, and I'm not but, saying I'm not saying it makes so. anybody shoot who wouldn't shoot, but it did definitely. It permeated because, And culture. one reason they did that, I'm told, I read, is is because it made made it easier for you, the director, to get the shot of me the face. in my face without the gun in the, in the shot. Oh, interesting. I uh, just see if someone, if I tried... If all I, I know is I didn't hear of a rash of broken wrists I don't think born identity, I, so I don't yeah. think that it didn't people work. are necessarily your, your seeing violence the world. on screen right. and, then, and then people are emulating it. They're probably thinking Matt Damon's an idiot for holding a pistol upside down. I mean, that I might just, have been I just think people don't... In general, emulate right movies. I mean, maybe in the case of the sideways gun, so many movies did it right. that yeah. people right. just started thinking that's how you're supposed to do it. Well, but let's just blame video games then. Let's not blame your films. Um, I don't and, think it's honestly, breaking. But it can. I'm with Kurt. I don't. I don't think it's. Yeah. it's you know, it's, yeah, I don't think that, it's that's media. not what makes American America more violent. Yeah, and we're still know? trying to figure out just what because, does. Because Kurt said the same yeah. movies and same video yeah. games are and all around the world. I mean, American movies are are. Number one everywhere in the world, yeah. so you can't. Well, I wonder in a country as big as, let's say, you know, China has its own problems. Also, it's got a much tighter leash on its citizens, and then you have places like India, which is just complete chaos, and that's also got a bazillion people. So, I think their violence takes a different turn or a different manifestation, right? I mean, it's there's enough, a lot of problems there that are just not as. Uh, I mean, I haven't read Kurt's book other than what I was able to read and peruse, told, peruse right, uh, right. in the in the time he was talking about Oklahoma. Nebraska. Nebraska, mm -hmm. sorry. That's right. Just group us all and together. People do that. It happens. It does happen. It uh, does happen. So Doug is from a very sophisticated family. We're going to get to your family in a minute. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, so I, have, I haven't had a chance to really, you know, read the, the you know, how, how you comment on, on sort of violence in America. But, but I've always thought of it that, you know, we're, we're descended from people who chose to leave their countries and come here. And, uh, right, we're not the people who are sort of content to just stay put, who are maybe even more socially uh, engaged, right, stayed put in their countries. The people who are more loners or out for themselves or I can have a better life for myself, those Dreamers. kinds of qualities right. were the people who actually arrived and continue to arrive in America. And those are the that's the genetic material that's being passed on. So we are. There's a, for me, that explains why, you know, in Europe, everyone's all, we're all in it together and we have socialized medicine. And in America, you know, we're like, no, everybody's out for themselves. And if you can't afford health care, then go die. Um, and it's because the, the people that we're descended from 
are people who who sort of sought out, set out on their own, and sort of for themselves to sort of make a better life for themselves. And that whatever those qualities are, that genetically has been passed on to us. Yes, and I don't have anything to back no, that up. That's, hyper, just, a, the, the that's hyper, just a gut well, passing feeling. on genetic personality qualities is interesting. Go well, ahead. Hyper individualism is part of it. I I agree. Although the first people like. The pilgrims, they weren't alone. They were a little group of right. religious nuts. Very cute. Um, but uh, no, what I, I, and actually there are historians who have made the case, and I take up some of their work and use it in this book, that in fact, in terms of, if not genetic material, cultural predisposition, that w- we self-selected for suckers. Like, oh, the new world, it's, I'm going to find gold there, and, and it's going to be temperate, and, and uh, I can do whatever I want, and I can get rich overnight. I mean... Again and again, for the first, certainly for the first 100, 200 years, uh, the the people who were coming over, in addition to being, or they, or there was a, fa- or there was a potato what, famine, whatever. and some people said, "I'm just going to stay put and starve," and other people right. said, "I'm going to go no, somewhere all, else right. and, and make a better and, life." And there's good stuff. There's ambition, but there is a there is a I'll believe anything aspect to all the people. Well, who you have to be delusional so. to succeed, right? I mean, that's kind of we have bit. to be a little bit crazy. And well, we all know that. But I think that what I was saying earlier on in a, in a very profound moment, if I do say so myself, um, is that it's an imagined community, right? I mean, it's a community that we're not we're not ethnically the same. We're all very diverse and come. And the only thing we did have in common was coming here for a reason, whatever that reason may be. And once you're here, you're trying to instill Except, these. Of course, let's stipulate. African Americans, right? Well, that's yes, yeah. but I'm just saying there's a, a values that are imposed or not. Like this is the values of this country, and this is what keeps us together. Values, and if you don't share those values, or you don't feel connected, you feel lost, and then you feel disenfranchised or alien or whatever. And it's like, so I think that it's very hard to manage a country this big with so many fucking people that are so different. It's kind of an impossible task, and you have to work very hard. And obviously, now we have a president that's that's we're becoming even more divergent. But I think it's a lot easier in a country like you know Spain or France. I mean, even them, even them, they're freaking out now about immigrant. You know, like oh boy, we got fourteen immigrants. Uh, what although, are we doing? Although look at look at American cities. Look at the American cities that work. New York City, for instance. White, non-Hispanic people have been the minority for many, many decades. It works okay. People get along here. I mean, it, it may be, but to your point of, it's a giant. Country. country, and maybe yeah. maybe on a city level, even a big city like New York, you can make it work because it's right compact. Right. Yeah, I think you're in. Ca- but I think it's also that people here know they choose to stay within other people. They, they like that, right? Nobody's feeling like, oh God, we have people that aren't us coming into New York. You come to New York knowing it's like that. Well, which is again back to the point of stew. what you came to America to be is right. we're coming to a big stew. Maybe not in 1600, it right? Was a big stew, right? But by the 1800s, it yes. was stewy. Yes. I don't know. I love I love America, and I think it's great. I think there is a naivete, um, and I think it's also a product of um, uh, insecurity, a very deep insecurity, and a chip on your shoulder, right? Well, you think you're smarter than me as opposed to, wow, you're smarter than me. And that's something that I can't quite wrap my head around, right? We used to people talk about when, when Georgie was pressed, and they're like, you know, you just want to have a beer with the guy, and you're not this, as opposed to people that are like, I want someone that I'm intimidated to have a beer with. Who can talk? You know that can teach me something. I, what is? What do you think is the core of that? What is that? Where does that come from? Uh, it comes from a lot of places, and I talk about that in this book. Uh, one by pl- the book, by the one way. One place it comes from is is these extreme Protestants who started the thing, pilgrims and and, okay. and other Puritans, who and, and Protestantism had just been invented, and Protestantism was all about lo. I don't need a priest. I can be my own priest. I got mm. my own Bible. I can figure it out on my own. That's what was a big driver of it. So 
you know, I don't need your stinking badge was a big part of both Protestantism and the, the, the rejection of the old world and the establishments of other kinds as well. So, so it was there from the, from the very get-go. Uh, although, you know, and, and, and occasionally somebody like Andrew Jackson would get elected president because he was a man of the people and all that. But basically, until the last few decades, in the end, you may hate the expert or the teacher or the fancy whatever, but they were in charge and you deferred to them. In the last few decades, the ability to sort of say, no, I, I, I don't believe you, even if you're the smartest person in the world or have been doing this for 50 years, I'm going to do it myself. That became more and more and more enabled. But, but the, the basic, that impulse, that American predisposition was there from the get-go. Oh, that's interesting. So, Protestant. What were they reacting? Why were they um, reacting towards the priests? The pr- okay. They hated. They hated they the, found the, the Vatican, the, right. the Pope, the priests. I like the, this Pope, though. I like. Yeah, I, mean, I like him too. I yeah. think he's great. Uh, well, I, I've become very fond of both, or fonder of, the Catholic uh, organization and Catholicism in that sense, as well as Judaism, by 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 immersing myself so much in American Protestantism, which has... Oh, okay. So by default, you're like, God, this is such shit. Like the Jews and, and, and Catholics now, those guys are fantastic. Kind of. Well, especially if, they, if they've cleaned up their act, which yeah. I hope they have. Oh, I mean, yes. Well, the Jews have always been clean, right? No, the, the Catholics. Okay, right. okay. Yeah. I just didn't yeah. want to think for a minute yeah. that, um, yeah. you know... Um, but no, they just haven't gone as nuts. Either of them, and 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 partly that's because Catholicism is this top-down hierarchical thing, and it and you know, it makes you reassess the the American opposition to top-down hierarchical life. You know? Right. Well, I think that what's interesting is when I when when I visit places like England, I'm struck by how classist it is. You know what I mean? If you're an aristocrat, you're upper crust. Or if you're not, you can never get to be upper crust. You are, you know, even by the way you speak, you're stuck. And what I loved always about America was no matter who you are, you can succeed. It's not based on your your lineage. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it, it seems like the, the class has taken a different form. Maybe is it money now? Like what, you know? Education. So you think it's education. Uh-huh. Do you know what the biggest uh, factor in determining uh, how successful you'll be and how much money you'll make is today in America? Uh, uh, please tell me. Your dad. Right. How much your, your parents make. Yes. And we are less. That's the predicament of the millennials, is what you're telling. No, me. that's that's the Period. situation we're in right now. If you, it's you know, in England they give it a name. You're upper class or lower class. You have a different right. accent. Right. Here, if your parents are successful and make a lot of money, you are way more likely to be successful and make a lot of money than if your parents aren't successful. And vice versa. If you're poor, you're more likely to be poor. And it's truer now in the United States of America than it is in all kinds of other developed countries. We are not by any stretch any longer. Uh, the socially mobile, mo- so economically socially the, mobile. The American dream is is not. It's yeah. That part of it is not happening. Not working well right now. Right, right. Well, that's sad. I think that's sad. I mean, and how do you guys feel about? Because I'm torn about this too. Things like pro government programs, like welfare. Let's say, okay, where I believe that the government should take care of its citizens, but we also want to give them the tools to kind of move out, you know, move up if they want to, and not become dependent on a handout and and train themselves and and. And so I want to kind of, you know, that's kind of a divide, a very kind of partisan um, debate. I wanted to get your thoughts on that, too. Well, the wealth, what we, what Donald Trump has tried to expand all social benefits into welfare, because welfare as a word has become, has always been stigmatized. Uh, And the welfare program, such as it is, which is used to be called aid to Depend, aid to families with dependent children, it's called something else now, Mm -hmm. is is actually pretty tiny. Okay. Now, 
But if you're talking about Medicaid, you, you don't have a job, or even if you do have a job, it doesn't have health care. Should we provide that? Whether or not we call it welfare, of course we should. So, so right. I mean, there are certain basics in my view. I mean, everybody, nobody should have to be rich uh, or middle class or anything to, to have their basic needs. Basic needs, which is to say, definitely health care. And then we can get another conversations about housing and all the rest of it or or food stamps i mean like i'm sorry yeah i want my i want children to be able to eat so uh i i i think uh you know i i, th- I think i understand people's resistance to oh if you just give it away they're gonna you're gonna ruin their incentive that i've i've read a lot about the the, the actual studies of that and 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 while they're they're you know there's good ways to do give social benefits in bad ways. I don't think uh, most people who are poor or or have a job and don't have health care or all the all the ways that you can have struggle in life economically are because they're lazy. I don't. I just don't right. think that's I don't mainly think true. That. I think if you're not if you don't like working, you don't like working, and if you do like working, you do like. I think it's just part of you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think that if you want to work, even if you're getting food stamps, you're going to look for work. Yeah. Um, Doug, I just feel like. We have as an obligation as a society to provide some kind of safety net um, because people who are working, I don't know if you ever read uh, Barbara Ehrenreich's uh, book, uh, Nickel and Dimed, but about, you know, it's if, if for, you know, people who, who who maybe don't have experience, you know, are lucky enough not to be working minimum wage jobs, you know, to uh, really understand what it's like in America today to, to work a, a minimum wage job. And I, I can't pretend to say just because I've read about it and, and right. that I, I actually know, but I can talk about the economics of it. And if you are working a, a minimum wage job, you are you are on the brink of, of just total destruction. You know, you are just one broken limb away from 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 everything falling apart. Because, you know, if there's not a safety net, if you don't have health insurance. The only um, reason I have health insurance is because I make babies for people and they pay for so, my health coverage nine so months a year. You, so I, I do think, you know, there's a lot of people who are working very hard in this country who have no, you know, who have no safety net. And if, certainly if we take away um, the Affordable Care Act and, and, and things like that with pre-existing conditions, we are, um, we're just not giving people a chance. We talk about sort of people not being sort of upwardly mobile. You know, right now we have a situation where it's, you're just one slip from being downwardly mobile, right. like into, into the someplace where you'll never recover from. So, I- and, and I'm older than you, so I remember back in the day when, I mean, it, the last, I, I again, I've read on this subject for another project I'm working on a lot, and it's amazing to me, the last 30-ish years have been very different than the first 30 years of my life, which is to say, for the, for the bottom 80% of people, that is to say, the great majority of Americans, wages have been flat, essentially, for 30 years. The top 20 percent, uh, uh, which some of us are ha- lucky, most of us here are lucky enough to be in. I don't know about you. you I know, don't make a lot of money. Well, you, Doug surrogacy. is very wealthy. Yeah. You probably make a shitload of money from your books. But, but the, the surrogacy, top, I don't pay, but, I don't but charge a lot. The top 20 percent has right. done fine. The top 1 percent has done great. Really the top great. 1 percent has done even greater. So, But, the, but the, the rest of the people, not. And, and that disconnection from all of us rising boats together is a new terrible thing right right well this is all very very depressing we only have a few more minutes so i want to kind of get more personal um and get to you know what's going on really inside with you guys besides just the the opinions and the depression over the current climate <laughs> you've been married 
I am married. I've been married once. Once, which is remarkable. How many years? Uh, let's see. It'll be. It'll. It just was thirty-seven. Thirty-seven yeah. year and happily married. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, yeah. Well, with problems, but no, no but, not too but, much drama because you're from the Midwest. Shockingly happily married. Yes. As, Do as people from the Midwest wife. fight? As is my wife. Or they just oh. talk really quietly and politely to each other no, all the time. No, no, like, no, no. I'm very no, angry we, with we, you, Kurt. We bicker and occasionally fight. You bicker. Yeah. You yeah. fight, but the fighting never takes like a volume. Like if you were in Italy. You know what I mean? And couples are fighting in Italy, and you think they're going to kill each other. No, it was always very. There's boundaries. No, dirty looks. Dirty. Oh, passive aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, no, sure, but no, we are very, we are happily married, and and uh, you know, getting in the kids out of the house, we're even happier. So now, now you're uh, happier that the kids are out. Do you feel it's like it's a joke? It, it's a joke, um, kids. Yeah. No, he loves you, kind of. Um, what have you? Do you feel like you failed as a parent in any capacity? Uh, not failed. I mean, n- not perfect. No, I mean, not not in any, like a specific, you know, if you could have gone back, you're like, I wish I had. I have that about being a son. I, I think I failed as a son to my mother uh, when the last, my father died fairly young. And, and so my mother was alone for 15, last 15 years mm-hmm. of her life in Omaha. And I didn't, go, I didn't see her enough. And I didn't talk to her enough. And Well, and, if she was Jewish, she'd make you feel guilty. Did she not do that enough? A, a little bit, but not that much. And, and now that I have grown children living in my city with me, and I can see them anytime and have dinner with them. Right. I, it, it, the, the, the pleasure, delight of that is a little bit uh, the, the, <laughs> harsh by right. it makes me feel like, you were, you were a shitty son, yeah. right? Well, well, you know what? I mean, if you believed in God, you could say like, "We'll talk to her in you know in the next well, life." I but... might have made up for that for you because my mom basically has moved in with me. Oh, <laughs> well, thank boy. you. So, I'm, I'm, you so know... it's like carbon taxing. We can trade. Yes. Our yeah. There we go. Yeah. The footprint, the mom yeah. print. Um, does your mom drive you crazy? Oh yeah. And do you still blame her for a lot of your intimacy issues? What intimacy? Okay. Well, well, there we issues, go. Okay. You know, no, but I'm all, saying, I mean, because I still blame my parents. You know, because I've been just a surrogate and I've had, I have relationship issues, I have intimacy issues, and I completely blame my parents and I feel a lot of anger on a daily basis still. So I'm just wondering if I'm alone in that. Because you're not married, right? I'm not married. I did, uh, my, uh, I watched my niece and my sister-in-law get into a little bit of a spat the other night. Okay. And uh, I heard my uh, niece say to my sister-in-law, stay in your lane, mom. That's an, oh, I gotta, so, I gotta use uh, that one. Okay. You know, How old of a kid said this? 17, but oh, well, I, I'm going to... Okay. Uh, I thought it was a cute, but yeah, mean Yeah, stay in your lane, year Mom. Yeah. Oh, no, but now I'm... Uh, I, I plan on uh, uh, using that this weekend when, uh, you know, when I see When you see my your mom. girlfriend? Oh, your mom, right. Okay. Stay in your lane, Mom. Yeah. And now you, you're dating someone now? I think that's a good... Uh, I think that's going to be very helpful. Well, it's a good way to put boundaries, right, as opposed to talking like with psycho boundaries. Although I was trying it out with some friends and who know my mom, and they were like, no. She's not going to listen. It's well, she be... just thinks everything in your life is her lane. Right. It's just one. It's like the Autobahn. Yeah, it's just um, one big, giant lane. It's not like a highway with individual lanes. Right. She gets, she gets the whole highway. She gets the whole highway. She, and, and she's I the I guess she's uh, in patrol. your car. Really. Yes. Right. <laughs> and driving it on your lap. You I are mean, a... I'm, a, I'm a fully an uh, adult, and you know, she still tells my friends when to go to bed. Oh, that's cute. Or not. not. But you are in a relationship. Yeah. And this is an on again, right, as far as I know. I did a little research on you. On again, off again? On a weekly, bi-weekly basis? What is it? Yeah, you don't want to get into it. it you know, we've already been talking about enough to, you know, okay. challenging topics here. Okay. Okay. I won't. Yeah, it's, it's harder than the, the, the political climate is Doug's relationship. Okay, Just I'll easier to clean. say I've been married for 37 years, happily married. Okay. With, you know. Right. Great marriage and, 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 and bicker and dirty looks. Okay. Well, great. We are out of time. I want to thank uh, Kurt Anderson. It's been a delight talking to you. And you. And Doug Lyman. I'm sorry that I ended on a very awkward note. No, it's not awkward. Bringing up your girlfriend. Did he not get awkward in here for a minute? 
it got a little awkward. Well, may, and, you know, maybe there's further talking you can have since your job is right. to produce it's, babies. And, you that's know, true. He, does, do you want a child? Um, I do want children. Oh, well, I, I mean, we can use my egg. I still do have about, like, maybe half an egg that I can, I can we can definitely talk. Because you have good, look at that jawline. I just want to wrap that up with the jawline again. And you are motivated, so that you said that genetically is transferred on to the offspring. And, yeah, evidently. And I um and I'm a very sexual being, so let's let's discuss. Okay. This is Raylan Casper White signing off. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.